I would imagine that uh, all of us here this morning have been through difficult times of one type or another, whether a new pacemaker or somebody getting a shoulder replaced or refrigerator woes or whatever they may be. It's always good to know that we can be lifted up. We have an everlasting God. He was there at the beginning. He'll be there at the end. And he's there in all of the in-between days as well. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. It's really like dealing with difficult times. And sometimes when there are difficult times, we kind of wallow around in self-pity and and we kind of forget, kind of forget that God is always there. Um, today we're going to be launching, we got two more messages out of the book of Matthew, and then we're going to move into uh, the book of Psalms. I'm kind of excited about that. We'll probably do about ten messages, but they're like five parts of of, um, of the book of or the book of Psalms. Some people call it a song book. I really look upon it as a prayer book. So it's going to teach us about prayer. It's going to teach us about how to sing a few things. And in preparation, I don't know if this is going to help me or not, I ordered a two-volume commentary on the book of Psalms. And I opened it up the other day, and my eyes are not used to reading um, eight-point font. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll get through that. Um, but today, we're going to talk about boldness, confidence, and hope, because... Uh, we really need that in the world that we live in today. We need a certain amount of boldness because there's a lot of nonsense that comes against us all the time. We need to have confidence because some people tell us we're bold enough to also tell us to be quiet from time to time. Don't talk about it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. And then there's hope because sometimes, man, sometimes everything seems kind of hopeless. You know, we live in a world today that is really messed up. And we kind of wonder, is it, is it only going to get worse? Well, even if it does get worse, let's not forget we have an everlasting God. We just sang that. So uh, I, I hope you noticed, as Lair read the scripture this morning, uh, that Jesus repeats himself uh, three times in today's reading. Uh, he begins and ends with the same exhortation, and he repeats it. Uh, in the middle, in verse 26, he said, have no fear. Then in verse 28, he says, have no fear, do not fear. And at the tail end, he says, fear not. Now, have you ever looked at that word fear, F-E-A-R? Do you know that's an acronym for false evidence appearing real? That's what fear means, false evidence appearing real. We look at our world and we go, oh, look at the evidence. False evidence. False evidence. A lot of it. A lot of it's out there. Now, in other words, we don't want to need to be afraid. Now, it's kind of not hard for us to, tr- to kind of trace three arguments in these verses. And argument number one is don't be afraid because the truth is going to prevail. Uh, verse 26 explains it this way. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. See, in the end, if we skip all the way to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, guess what? Evildoers are going to be crying out for rocks so that they can hide under them under the day of judgment because that day had come at last and no one is going to be able to hide and everything is going to be revealed. Sheep, goats. See, God's truth wins in the end. It's as simple as that. 
There's argument number two. Don't be afraid because God is greater than anything man can do with it, to undo to us. Do you realize all that man can do to us is kill us? I know that sounds kind of morbid, but that's really all they can do to us. And so why fear someone whose power in our life ends at our gravesite? Also kind of a morbid thought, but also true. See, fear the Lord who makes both body and soul. He's taking care of you here. He's got you up there. There's a third argument we could think about here, and that's don't be afraid because God takes special care of us. Now, this is getting down to bird talk now. He sees the sparrow as it falls. Kind of interesting. He numbers the hairs, sorry, a couple of guys, the hairs on our head. That's kind of interesting. I'll get back to hair in a little while. Um, But we're worth more than a bunch of sparrows. So why be afraid of anything? That's a good question, but, it, but the answer isn't quite as simple. Now, when I shared with my Tuesday morning Bible class I teach at First Baptist Church, I happened to mention several weeks ago that I was preaching on Matthew chapter 10. And one of the guys said, I think we could all use that series because wolves are everywhere. That was his quote, wolves are everywhere. Even at First Baptist Church? Even at Restore, even at Praise and Worship, even in Bolivia, yeah, the wolves are everywhere. Wolves are everywhere. We are sheep in the middle of a bunch of wolves all day long. We live in dangerous times. I'm not... I don't want you to worry about when you get out and you get in your car. Oh my, he said it was going to be dangerous. We live in a dangerous world today. So where can we go for safety when there's so much trouble or nonsense going on around us? Well, verses 29, 30, and 31 give us three reasons why we should not be afraid. Here's reason number one. God cares about things we don't even notice. Like birds. Verse 29, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Now, what's the sparrow got to do with the Bible? Well, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know people were required to come to the temple to offer sacrifices. Not everybody was wealthy. There were a lot of poor people living in Palestine that day. And because many people were so poor, the poor could offer sparrows at the temple because they could not afford a, um, a lamb or a goat or a bull. In fact, in the days of Jesus, you could buy two sparrows for a penny. Not a bad deal. Or a buck would get you a whole bag of birds. Uh, you could feed your, your family a sparrow casserole for a dime. Not sure I'd want that. One of our good friends from India, Johnson, told me once that he used to hunt sparrows and then eat them. And I kind of went, oh, he says, hey, they're better than chicken. (laughs) Well, I don't like chicken to begin with. (laughs) It's called gag me with a fork right there. Now, like some of you, I always thought that Jesus was saying that God watches the sparrows when they fall. And I think this goes back to this old gospel song I suppose we could have sung today. Uh, His eye is on the sparrow. 
and I know he watches me. Uh, but this verse says a whole lot more than that. And not only does God see a sparrow or bird when it falls out of the tree or falls out of the sky or wherever it falls from, but the sparrow, now hear this, the sparrow cannot and will not fall apart from the Father's will. You ever been sitting in a tree, looking at a tree, and all of a sudden the bird just falls right up, dead? Who's behind all that? That bird cannot and will not fall apart from the Father's will. It's not as if the sparrows just kind of randomly fall out of the sky all the time and God goes, oh, 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 there's, oh, I, I did, I did. No, that's not God's doing that. He knows that. God willed it to fall, and if he didn't, the sparrow would never fall to the ground. That means God cares about stuff that we don't even notice. You know, God is the God of refrigerators, Nance. He's the God of horses who need help. God helps artists, computer jockeys, pharmacists, students, retired folks, Jedis. Wow. That means God cares about stuff we don't even care about sometimes. We don't even notice. There's two implications to this truth. Here's the first one. Sparrows do fall. I mean, they really do. Uh, They can come down sooner or later. They fall to the ground. And guess what? Sooner or later, trouble comes to all of us. We're God's little sparrows. Sometimes we we fall into this kind of romantic notion that coming to Jesus is going to solve all of our problems. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. If I come to Jesus, you know, probably some big pat. Hey, come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Not so. Sometimes it gets amplified. What happens to the people of this world happens to you and me as well. They get sick. We get sick. They lose jobs. We lose a job. They get ripped off. We get ripped off. Some people come down with cancer. Some people need to have pacemakers. You get one. Some people get cancer. You get cancer. They die. We die. It's the same for everybody unless Jesus comes back first. Here's the second implication. Sparrows fall according to the Father's will. There's a a very real sense in which everything in this universe uh, must fit into God's ultimate plan somehow. That means all of you, myself, all of we fit into God's plan somehow. And see, every falling of a sparrow fits into God's providential oversight. So this applies not only to our pain, it also applies to our suffering, it applies to the losses in life that we experience. It applies to the heartache of watching loved ones die, as we say sometimes, way too soon. Let's go back to a third reason here. Third reason, God cares about the tiniest details of life. And I should put in there your life or my life. Verse 10. Few of us will really enjoy this part. Verse 30. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Jeff, was the last time you ever tried to count the hairs on your head? Scientists say the average head has 100,000 strands of hair. 
They also tell us that 50 of them fall out every day, no matter what. And it varies even by color, as they say. Uh, blondes have an average, they say, of 140,000 strands of hair on their head. Uh, brunettes, 105,000. And redheads have 90,000 strands of hair on their head. Now, while I found that kind of fascinating, it's kind of interesting, it's not something I really think about very often. And when I do, whenever I think about my hair, you know what I think about? I think it's about time to get a haircut. Haircut. That's about the only time I ever think about my hair. I never go, I wonder how number 437 is doing today. I never think about that. So the meaning's pretty clear. If God, if, if God cares for things that matter so little, then he probably cares for things that matter a whole lot more. And if God knows every strand of hair that's on your head individually, even as he knows and names every star in the entire universe, chances are he knows each and every one of us individually as well. His knowledge of us is not just general. Oh, Beck, uh, Becky, I heard about her. No, he knows everything about you. Uh, he knows you and me better than we know ourselves. That's kind of scary when you think about it, really. Now, if God cares for things that matter so much, he cares for things that matter more. That just blows my mind. I got thinking about this, how God works stuff together. I'm going to take you back to the book of Genesis for a bit. Uh, Genesis chapters 37 to 50 are the story of Joseph. He's the predominant character in those chapters. I wrote down some questions. I, I kind of looked back through it this week. I, this, I wrote these questions. Up. Why did Jacob want to send Joseph to see his brothers? Why were Joseph's brothers on this particular day in a different location than they usually were? Why did the Ishmaelites come along at that very moment? And why were they interested in actually buying a slave? And why were they going to Egypt and not some other destination? And why did Potiphar choose to buy Joseph? And why did Potiphar's wife suddenly get the hots for Joseph? And what about this butcher and the baker story? Uh, why were they there in prison at the same time Joseph was? And why couldn't Pharaoh remember his dreams? And why did the cupbearer forget Joseph and then suddenly remember him later? Now, there's a whole lot more questions I could ask about that story. I don't have an answer for any of them, quite honestly. Other, these are all unconnected events. It's happened to happen in a particular way at a particular time for a particular purpose. And when you get towards the tail end of Genesis, you suddenly find out the answer to the questions. Joseph was in the right place at the right time to preserve his family in Egypt during the great famine in Canaan. Wow. Does he do that in your life? Who had ever thought, Bo? that that young girl would be in your life today. Only God. Sarah, happy as a clam down in Bolivia. Did you ever think you'd come across this guy? God knew. 
Had it all planned out. That's that's the attention to detail in our lives. Let me give you reason number three. God cares about us even when trouble comes into our lives. Verse 31, fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than what all these sparrows. So here's the heart of the matter. Tiny sparrows, little itty-bitty birds, worth so little, you know, two for a penny back in Jesus' day, yet God cares for every last one of those birds. And the good news today is you, me, we are all worth more than a bushel of sparrows. Now, how do I know this? I figured this out. I feel pretty confident in this. How do I know that we are worth more than sparrows? Because in my Bible, it doesn't say that God died for the sparrows. Who does it say he died for? You. All of you. And me. The whole world. God so loved the world. Now, what should that truth do for us? To realize that God, if nobody else in this world ever existed, would he die for Cheryl? Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Well, it'll give us boldness in times of trouble. That's for sure. Uh, man, if he only died in this world for Jimmy, it, 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 it ought to give Jimmy some confidence in times of confusion. And if he only died for Artie, that would give her hope in times of sorrow. You could apply that to any one of us. So what's the bottom line in all of this? Well, do you believe everything happens by chance? You know, we must say what the Bible says instead. By chance. We, What does he say? All things. How many things? All things work together as good as part of God's unfolding plan of redemption. Does that mean he's taken us through a week worth of trauma over stinking refrigerators? Yes, he has. For what purpose? We haven't figured out yet. (laughs) Maybe when the ice comes out of the refrigerator and it's cold, who knows what purpose is behind all this, other than than to step back and say, God had this the entire time. The entire time. All things. It's all part of God's unfolding plan of redemption. Really? Everything? See, if so, then there is no such thing as luck. Uh, There is no such thing as fate. There is no such thing as chance. Uh, Another way to think about this, it may sound sound kind of odd, is this, that everything is either caused by God or allowed by God. And there's no third category. The Bible teaches it. Now, do you believe it? I do. I, you know, when I first read this scripture and thought about preaching, I thought, oh man, birds and... I wasn't quite sure what to do with this. And then kind of in the midst of working on it, everything else that's happened in my life and our life and the last week and everything else surrounding it. Uh, what's a great truth that maybe I've learned this week? And maybe what's a great truth that you could learn this week? And I, I, I came up with rest in the Lord. I slept good this week. 
in spite of her. You slept really good last night. I looked at your sleep number score this morning. <laughs> Rest in the Lord. I can't figure out. I won't mention the companies that we've dealt with this week. But let God deal with these people. You know, put my soul on the solid rock of God's eternal providence. That whatever happened, it was exactly what God knew was going to happen. And here we are today. I don't know what you've all been through this week. Could be all kinds of things. Could have been happy. Could have been a little sad. Could have been a little disappointed. Could have been frustrated. Could have been joyful. It could have just been the happiest, clappiest thing. Some of you coming out, wives coming out of surgery. Tickers ticking again. <laughs> Granddaughters coming to church with you. All kinds of good stuff. That's why we need to learn to kind of lay ourselves upon the solid rock of God's eternal providence. Could have sang that song this morning, too. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's kind of to rest in his control over all things and then sleep well tonight. Somebody told me a long time ago when I said something about worry, he says, I'll go to sleep, God's up all night anyway. <laughs> I think that's why I sleep so well. I may almost leave skid marks on the sheets when I go to bed. I'm gone. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you know all things. Uh, There's so much we don't know, so much we don't understand. And so we pray today that you fix our eyes clearly on you and let faith rise to drive away our fear, all of that false evidence that appears so real so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, maybe one last thing. Uh, may God give us all that same kind of faith, uh, that no matter what, we can still sing someday. It is well. It is well with our soul. We're also going to talk about something we believe that we kind of hang on to as an anchor from time to time. And it's the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's stand to speak these words together. <clears throat>